What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Tokenized TV podcast, where I'll be going over analysis and insights of disruption happening in the digital asset ecosystem, along with updating you guys with the most recent news. From the state of the market to decentralized finance to NFTs, utility tokens, all the way to mass adoption, we'll be sure to cover it all here on Tokenized TV. All right, what's up, everyone? It's Tokenizer here. Hey, what's up, everyone? And citizens of the future here. And today we're just going to sort of go over some fundamental analysis and just sort of the macro adoption of this uh, digital asset space with you guys today. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to talk back and forth about some of the crypto and blockchain projects and see what we see and uh, yeah, let's start her off. Yeah, uh, so do you want to just talk about how we got started into this space and maybe like when we hopped in here? Yeah, I think I think that would be a good start off topic. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I could go first. So I first got into this space around Q3, Q4 of 2020. And honestly, what made me switch over was like I was I've always been in equities, but I always found the transaction speeds and the settlement for securities just insanely slow. And it always kind of bugged me, but I was kind of just like, all right, I guess you're going to have to live with it. And until I discovered blockchain and DLT, I kind of always thought that's just the way things were supposed to be. And I guess we're here now, right? Yeah, totally. As you guys know, the crypto markets are 24-7 where we don't actually need anyone to help keep the markets running. Yeah, yeah, decentralized liquidity pools, as you shall say. <laughs> yeah, peer-to-peer. So, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's great. You know, at your age, uh, 21 getting in, you know, doing this research and, you know, you're planting foundational seeds at a young age. So, you know, you got retirement investments in five, 10 years, right? Yeah. Ho- hopefully I'll get to retire yeah. earlier than the average age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So well, here, how I got started was in 2018, February. Uh, one of my fellow co-workers that has now been my best friend ever since he's he told me he's like oh man uh, I've been really researching the blockchain markets and uh, he really got into digging down the XRP rabbit hole and you know he told me about the correspondent banking system and the legacy SWIFT system and how expensive and slow uh, bank wires were and uh, and that's how I first got intrigued was because I went to go do a wire transfer to my exchange back in 2018 and sure and stuff sure as heck it took it took seven to ten business days and it cost me fifty dollars to do one transaction and I was like holy smokes we can send an email instantly we can send money on PayPal instantly but we can't send a wire transfer instantly like what <laughs> yeah it's pretty ridiculous i think it was actually um the founder uh the founder of quant gilbert verdian who said the internet wasn't ever actually made to hold any money yeah no no it's literally just for it's the internet of information so it's just meant for sending information back and forth because you got http yeah exactly so like even secure. http yeah, hypertext yeah. transfer protocol right exactly and it's not it's not secure for value and uh here one sec I'll, I'll share my screen so we can show people the correspondent banking system and sort of what it looks like uh to when you make a payment because i, I think that would be a good uh 
uh, view for people to see. Yeah, so all right, yeah, you I started be good. digging in. You know, I, I I learned about Bitcoin, I learned about Ethereum, and then I really dug into XRP and uh, the Interledger protocol, and uh, and then that was that was my main main token that I was purchasing way back in the day. So okay. Okay, so, a lot better now, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, let's get into this here. So, international bank wires, you know, when they send, so if you picture the global system and when they're sending trillions of dollars worldwide, it, it gets locked in a Nostro and a Vostro account. And that's just a payment account that they have to hold to stop the double spend problem. So, they got trillions of dollars sitting in these Nostro and Vostro accounts worldwide for the payment to settle for the five to 10 business days, whatever it takes to get to the other side. And each, when the money transfers through each and every bank, there's fees that get taken out, correspondent fees, foreign exchange fees, and it's actually a really slow and expensive system. So if, you know, if you're like me and never sent a, a bank wire transfer, well, that's the information about it right there. And that's why I think blockchain is one of these revolutionary industries is because, you know, we can now settle a payment for a fraction of a cent and it settles in four seconds. It's not waiting five to seven business days. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually had no idea that those uh, ghost accounts were only made for the reasons of not double spending. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's to hold the, the funds there because like that's how they, they solve the double spend problem is so Bob doesn't send, you know, his million dollars to Alice or whatever. Yeah, it's that's their double spend protection. It's pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty broken. Gotta say I'm a bit more disappointed at our current financial system now. To oh, totally. <laughs> we can, we, you know. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. It's sick that your first, I guess, introduction to crypto was like kind of the utility aspects of it and like how blockchain could help banking though, hey? To oh, totally. Well, yeah, like it was, it was this, we had a deep conversation for days and we were just going back and forth and we were like, this is true, truly broken because why can't banks transfer to other banks and it settle instantaneously, you know, like if we can do that with crypto, like, you know, we could do it with crypto here, but why isn't it updated? Well, it's because the SWIFT network hasn't been updated since what, the, the ni 95? The 90s. <laughs> yeah, the 90s, yeah. right? They're running on legacy infrastructure. And well, now we're starting to see uh, updates where SWIFT's adopting blockchain networks. You know, they got SWIFT GPI, but SWIFT GPI doesn't completely settle. Uh, it's yeah. has uh, lag time and uh, yeah, but these last four, you know, the last almost four years in these markets, uh, it's been crazy because when I first got into it in 2018, I went through a two-year bear market, man. It was uh, it was crazy. Some of my assets were down 60, 70% because like I was buying just right after the 2017 bull run. It was, I, I got in, introduced and started doing my research and uh, I think I was bought, started buying XRP at a dollar and then it crashed down to like 20, 25 cents where I just you know I did my research I kept doing more research and uh, just kept buying assets that I that I seen utility value over long periods of time and uh, even I was in the red but it was like holy smokes 
<laughs> this is this yeah. is nuts. This is like like I was like I can't tell anyone that I'm down seventy percent. I'm still buying because they all think I'm crazy, right? But, yeah, no. One of my favorite lines is just know what you hold and know the real value of it, right? Like yeah, exactly. The price now doesn't represent what like the network could be in like five, ten years, no. especially if you like pay attention to who they're working with behind the scenes totally yeah exactly you got short-term price action then you got long-term price action and sometimes you just got to ride the wave like sometimes you make bad entries right everyone makes bad entries sometimes but then there's right everyone should know dca uh dollar cost average yeah definitely right and uh you do that and it works out in the end um but yeah, we're, where, where do we want to go next here? What's, uh, so that's how I got into it and uh, been studying it ever since and uh, researching, researching and researching. And yeah, and I mean, I guess we're, we're already covering our next point a little bit with the network and tech uh, potential. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, tech potential, uh, potential here. Let me see. I'm going to bring up, uh, bring up another document here. So as we know, we're going through like the blockchain industrial revolution 4.0. If you don't know that everyone, we're industries are being revolutionized and how that is happening is everything's going digital. Exactly. We got tokenization that's coming in hot. We got uh, AI, we got blockchain, we got the internet of things, you know, cloud computing. Now this is, this is from uh sbi group so if you don't know who sbi group is it's a huge bank consortium out in japan uh they use xrp they're ahead of the industrial revolution so this is a slide from one of their webinars that i found and uh it's society 5.0 for sustainable development goals so and when you look at it here you know we got how is things changing we got settlement remittances lending KYC and AML, if you don't know what that is, that's know your customer and anti-money laundering. It's laws that are taking place in some of these uh, regulated networks so they know there is no terrorism, there is no abuse, they have end-to-end track, they know who's sending money, blah, blah, blah. You know, we got blockchain, AI, 5G, big data. These are huge industries, like big data, If if uh, you probably know about big data, right? Where they take huge amounts of data and then they can filter through it and they can, you know, AI can sift through it, pick whatever they want. They can just analyze mass amounts of information and do stuff with it. Take, take stuff that was never done before and they can actually um, have data sets and study it. Yeah, definitely. Just the overall potential for this, it like, I guess what draws people into or mainstream media into this space is just the cryptocurrency part, right? But totally. I feel like a lot of times they're missing the total underlying technology in this. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I agree because you got the mainstream media when they talk about crypto, they only talk about the hype stuff, right? They were, they're talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum and Dogecoin. Shiba Inu too. Yeah. Shiba, Shiba Inu and all this stuff that's so hyped up in the mainstream and marketed but where's the fundamental technology where is blockchain why are you guys talking about blockchain and how it's revolutionizing healthcare how is it revolutionizing land titles 
you know, blockchain and secure voting systems, the music industry, you know, allowing uh, music producers to actually get paid for their uh, songs and artwork. And uh, yeah, there's just so much being revolutionized by blockchain and mainstream media ain't talking about it. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, you definitely highlighted some amazing parts of how blockchain and DLT is going to affect our future industry in the next coming years. But there's also uh, what what do you how do you feel about the obviously the current NFT markets is all hype driven at the moment. But I seriously feel in the next like five, 10 years, NFTs are going to be implemented into like our world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like NFT, sure, like there's a lot of hype around the stuff right now, but it's 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 awesome it's just people you know speculate uh speculatively spending on things that they value but if you think about integrating nfts into say land titles you know if you own a house and they tokenize that land title as an nft so you have all your information attached to this token and then that's used for settlement compared to like for example where i live when you buy a house I got to pay a property transfer tax, which, you know, we bought a house for $600,000. We had to pay 11 grand for a property transfer tax for them to do the administration and stuff like that. Or you got to pay for a $600 notary to notarize your documents to make sure all this is right about the property you just bought. But if you tokenize your every land title in a, in a town for say, you can have a flawless flowing transfer system for for land titles because it would settle within four seconds cost fraction of a cent and it's completely tracked of all the previous owners so like if we went say that town for the next five years uh for the for the rest of its life you have a time stamped of who was owning that property throughout the whole version of its life instead of having to go to the land title office pull all the the information all the paperwork for that house um I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be turned into NFTs. So the perfect example for real world utility uh, of NFTs is Smart MFG, which is uh, a token uh, used in an online uh, custom parts where they take uh, parts, like a blueprint of a part, and they turn it into an NFT. And so then if you're a buyer and you're looking for this OEM part, uh all you got to do is you go to this syncfab website you find your part and you custom order it by buying the nft and then they ship it to you it's hard to explain here one sec where is it uh, right here I think that, that kind of makes sense yeah yeah see so like part here so so there's a part this is the part you're ordering uh and instead of calling around and you're looking for somebody to build this uh oem part this original part you go to uh, this sync fab and you say uh, oh this is the part I need you just hit order and then this would direct the manufacturer to ship out that part through their their ecosystem or whatever blah 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 but uh, yeah like it's just like taking a blueprint of something turning it into an NFT and then if somebody needs to buy it they can buy that NFT or whatever it goes to the manufacturer goes through their network and uh, gets shipped out to them yeah, it's a little deep. Yeah, definitely. It's just, I, I figured we should cover a bit about NFTs just because I feel like the whole 
NFTs being digital art at the moment doesn't quite do it enough justice for what this technology is going to be in the coming years. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%, man. Like, it's just, it's the start, right? Like, you got, we're just getting the start until the ones that are truly building on these NFTs and using the technologies. But the one big thing I really like about NFTs is in play to earn games, is when you get it in, in gaming. Uh, because you know, yeah, I really like that idea too. You know, you're, you're playing like I used to play uh, Diablo three when I was in high school there, and they had the real money auction house. And so, like you know, you're playing for a sword. You pick up this sword on the ground, and you can go sell it for two hundred and fifty dollars, real money. So, like, that gives you exit liquidity. So, say you're playing a game, somebody's no lifing a video game for months of their life, and they're finding all this stuff but they can end up selling this stuff because it's all NFTs. So now you're getting a sword, you're getting a helmet, you're getting this armor that you can sell for real money to other players who think that's, who value that in the game to get ahead. And that's huge. Yeah, exactly. Cause like th- there's definitely value in the gaming industry now. Like you can't deny that, right? No, 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 yeah. exactly. Well, look at Fortnite, right? Like Fortnite, I think they made uh, how many billion dollars last last year and they don't even have a player to player ecosystem yeah it's just a whole it's just I, I don't know exactly what you call it but it's, it's just people like it's just fans like like fortnite fans spending money on skins and stuff in their video game that's and that's that's what's crazy is because now think about a video game ecosystem you got billions of players the company's making billions of dollars already but if they integrate a payment system a real money payment system a tokenized ecosystem in their game that players can trade with other players and they just take a fraction of a fee say they take 25 cents you make a trade with someone they take 25 cents that's fair and then that's bringing in all new revenue from this tokenized ecosystem that they just implemented in their game yeah and then that way like people in the game are like incentivized to keep playing the game exactly. rather than just like beat the game leave it because yeah. because now yeah as, money. yeah yeah like as a fellow gamer i'm sure you've had times where you beat a game and you're just like all right yeah. i'm done playing this game now yeah no exactly because like well you know you unlock all your stuff but you can't do anything with the stuff you can't sell you can't sell it you can't it's just stuck to your account and then when you move on to your next game well it, it dies there and rots, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you're a good player at the game, or if you're bringing in new players too, like you yeah. should be incentivized for that, totally, right? Totally. And then, so I think NFTs is huge. And like the, the one big thing is uh, Gala Games, for example. Uh, they've got a bunch of NFT marketplaces and games that have NFTs that you can sell for real money and stuff like that. So... Now, how do you feel about some of these uh, fashion industry brands hopping into NFT and metaverse related things? Oh, yeah. It, you think that's a... I think that's sweet. It just shows mainstream adoption. For sure. Yeah. But uh, how well do you personally feel like that'll all be adopted? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're just hopping in on the hype train and maybe they'll leave it. But uh yeah it's uh i don't really i haven't really paid too much attention to that i just see like, that's fair know, enough yeah Coca-Cola, it's still Coca-Cola and all these big like uh, mcdonald's are making nfts or whatever and that's that's about it i never really followed too much into it yeah fair the whole metaverse thing is fairly new so oh, right oh yeah well the metaverse thing is deep like when you got <laughs> where you know you, you can go shop in a mall 
and you can see all the stuff in the metaverse while you try it on and stuff like that it just blows my mind man what we're yeah it's see. it's wild and, and like i it's like the second mark zuckerberg hopped in it it kind of went mainstream right totally oh totally yeah once meta once met facebook turned to meta then that's when all the all the hype started going into it right yeah definitely yeah So do you want to talk about, uh, so we talked about NFTs, we talked about how we got into this blockchain space. Well, let's talk about uh, the benefits of blockchain and DLT, because I think that's what everyone wants to hear. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. What do they get from having, like tokenization? What do they get from using a blockchain, right? And I think I I got the Uh, perfect... I think think we covered a bit into... Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, man. Go, Go on. We covered a bit into it. All right, I'll go. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we covered a bit into the benefits of blockchain and DLT as to the financial world, but yeah. there's also the economic incentive of it as now anyone's able to open their own wallet just anywhere in the world, regardless if they have a bank or yes. just w- yes. doesn't matter where they are in the right world, here, right? Right here. Perfect example. So digital finance in the developing world could have a great impact. So talking about it it so us we're blessed we live in canada you know we live in the states we live near major banking infrastructure but there's first world countries yeah we're first world but there's many third world countries out there where uh i have a buddy out in nigeria who lived in a village where people had to walk an hour and a half some people had to walk an hour and a half to take their kids to school every day that's and, just crazy man. and they don't have banks they don't have banking infrastructure around there so good luck trying to send a wire transfer over there so you know with these blockchains and with this uh digital currencies anyone with a mobile phone can participate in global trade which you know like look at they're boosting gdp by 2025 of six percent they're thinking of a boost of about 3.7 trillion dollars that's huge for the unbanked. Where is it here? I got another document here. Just give me a sec. Uh, That's a lot of info on there though, hey? Yeah, yeah, it's been a- Definitely <laughs> hundreds of hours, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long couple of years doing this on the side. But for example- Yeah, got, I bet. You got Mojaloop. So Mojaloop is working with, uh, it's, it's, it's a company off of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in partnership uh, and their partnership with Ripple. And they've got a settling funds where it's, you know, using a mobile phone uh, to connect to, to, con- to connect people to the banking networks, which is, which is huge. So, alrighty, so check this out. So talking about Mojaloop and seeing how they're creating, allowing people to connect to the banking system with just mobile phones. I just wanted to show you, show you a little bit into Mojaloop. So, Mojaloop is partnered with the Monetary Authority of Singapore for advanced financial inclusion. And uh, Mojaloop also won, they, they, they won, they, their winners were chosen by a panel including experts from the Bank of England, Committee on Payments and Market Infrastructures, DBS Bank Singapore, European Central Bank, Federal Reserve System, Innovative Finance UK, Payments Canada, SWIFT. So they picked Mojaloop 
for its solution for bridging the last mile, bringing cross-border payments to users in emerging market economies who rely on mobile money transfer systems. Well, who else are they connected to? So as I showed you in the thing before, they're also connected with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They launched Mojalu, an open source mobile payment solution. And they officially say they use Ripple's Interledger. If you don't know what ILP is, it's called Interledger Protocol. That's this right here. So as you know, in these third world countries, they don't have banking infrastructure in a lot of the places. There's like 2.3 billion people that I think are unbanked or 1.7 billion people that are unbanked. And uh, so they, Moja Loop uses the Interledger Protocol and the Interledger Protocol is obviously uses, it uses XRP, which I'll show you in the next thing because it's an ISO 20022 messaging standard system. And that allows people with a mobile phone to access banking infrastructure. How do we know that the ILP uses XRP? This is from a world banking document. If you look up the keywords, Interledger Protocol, uh, World Bank document, it should come up and you should be able to find it. Interledger, right here. Interledger is an open protocol, originally inspired by the internet protocol for sending payments across various blockchain networks. It enables the exchange of value across different payment networks using Interledger. The XRP can be sent to someone who wants to receive ETH or USD or it can be sent to someone who wants to receive uh, Euro. So XRP is the intermediary, the, the digital bridge currency between these payments. So for example, USD to BTC or whether it's BTC to ETH. Um, so yeah, it's huge because like, look at that, you know, Interledger Protocol, here's more technical diagrams of how the ILP connects uh, through the XRP ledger. So it's definitely going to you know, mobile payments is, is huge. Um, is huge for what's coming to help the revolution uh, to get people accessing global markets. And here's the, the Moja Loop Foundation right on their site. Ripple XRP and Moja Loop creating an inclusive future for everyone everywhere. And they're making it, they call this concept as the internet of vision. No, it's the internet of value. I don't know if never heard the internet of vision. Yeah, Moj Loop equals one. <laughs> one loop for everyone. One system. And, you know, Bill Gates. I don't think Bill Gates is uh, going to deal with uh, digitalized security, <laughs> like the SEC calls it. So, yeah, I, th I think uh, payments are really going to be revolutionized by some of this DLT. And, uh, um, yeah, and another, you know, another thing that... Uh, so we got the, the mobile accessibility. We got cheap payments. Another thing about DLT that I love is, you know, it's decentralized through nodes, through consensus and uh, the anonymous part where, you know, you, uh, and it's all time stamped, time stamped and uh, immutable and uh, it's accessible all over the world, man. Like that's, that's the one big thing that I love about uh, DLT and blockchain yeah definitely um did you want to just quickly go over the immutability of dlt technology just so yeah. everyone kind of gets yeah. how big that really is exactly so for example i think i got a perfect diagram here I'm just gonna find it right here so anytime a transaction happens on the blockchain so right here how blockchain works person wants to send it uh money to b a wants to send it to b the transaction is represented online as a block so that block gets 
put onto a node. And that node is a ledger of transactions. So you have these nodes all over the world that have a ledger book of every transaction that happens in real time. So once that's on there, it gets added to the, to the ledger, it cannot be removed. It is, it is there, it's once validated, once it's validated, the money is sent, transferred, it's transferred from A to B. And there is, there is no changing it. So once it's happened, it's happened. There is no going back. And that is, that is huge, because it solves, one, it solves the double spend problem, and two, um, a good point would be, if you have documents at the bank, a bank can only get documents for up to 10 years. Uh, every 10 years, they wash all transactions. They get, they get rid of them. So if you don't have your documents, well, if you did a transaction 10 years ago and you need to get the details for that, it's gone. But with blockchain, we can go back all the way to the first transaction that was ever happened, and you can see it in real time, who's and what address sent it to what address. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's actually still people who are sending uh, Bitcoin to Satoshi's Genesis block back in 08. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. yeah, that just goes to show you how much just info can store over the years, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, what else can we talk about here? Is there any other things that you want to touch on before we move on? To uh, yeah, I'll touch on this before we head to the next next step but um to add on to tokenization it brings um so one common thing with stocks is that uh most of you guys have probably noticed but i'll use amazon stock as an example if you don't have three grand you don't get you don't get to participate in like amazon's network and their growth overall yeah yeah and whereas like yeah yeah but it's just the whole split ownership thing. It doesn't just extend to an individual fractional fractionalized stock though. So if we go back to maybe NFTs as an example, where it's a tokenized ownership of a specific asset, we could take a city block in Manhattan, for example. Well, instead of one person owning it as a monopoly, that can now be divided between hundreds of thousands of people who want to help fund the Manhattan or that city block in Manhattan and maybe they get rewarded in the revenue that that city block generates. Yeah. F fractionalized ownership of whether it is uh, a building, a land, like a piece of land or even stocks, you know, you can get fractionalized stocks. So like that's, that's huge because you never been able to do that before. So once they tokenize stocks and other real life assets, you can then split ownership up between one to 10 people if you wanted. Yeah, or even 10,000. Totally. Right. Well, like, well, and then like, look at, okay, for example, like, let's talk about this. Re like housing, the housing market is in such a bubble. I know out in Vancouver area, one little crack shack is going for $2 million. So if you're living in Vancouver, this is in Canada, in, in British Columbia, Canada, if you want, you know, your entry, say you're a 25 year old and you want to buy a house. Well, you can't really buy a house for $2 million. You can't afford that. But if they had fractionalized ownership, you know, you can get together with say five of your buddies and split it, split it between the five of you. And then that's reasonable. But like, 
<laughs> it's still uh, fractionalized ownership. I think is going to be huge, whether it comes to land and and stocks. So that's a great mention. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I think it was actually, I I think I saw somewhere uh, there were people tokenizing Lambos. Oh my god! Well, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're putting three hundred thousand dollars into a into a vehicle, <laughs> like I I would be tokenizing it too, man. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying a Lambo, but especially I still once live inflation hits house. the car markets, right? Like, 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 it's like I'm buying a Lambo, but I still live in my mom's house. Like, <laughs> I got one fifth of the Lambo. Yeah, yeah, I drive this on every Saturday. But yeah, overall, just fractionalized ownership. I think it's, I think it's going to be huge in the future, especially with. How much of a monopoly some of these things are becoming, right? Totally, totally, hundred percent. You got something you want to share there on that chart? Uh, yeah. So this was just uh, this was from a slide, twenty eighteen uh, fintech week, uh, and this was global goals. I I'm sure you know who this is, right? Ben from uh, Constellation, um, Jorgensen. And just to show, they're talking about, you know, the global development goals, you know, the 2030 agenda. But, you know, we're, we're taking part in one of the main ones here, uh, industry in innovation and infrastructure, blockchain. So digitalization of markets, global trade, the future of finance, I think is going to be a lot to do with the tokenization. And I just thought this was a cool thing to show people that... Uh, just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. <laughs> the mainstream media doesn't like to talk about it, but I think it's happening. And I think I found a lot of information to prove that it's happening because you wouldn't get some of the top elites talking about this stuff if it wasn't happening. And, uh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, go on. What, one thing is a lot of people see banks just talking shit about I guess this whole space overall, which I'm sure you've noticed, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So over the four years... But if you really look... Yeah. Yeah, if you really look at what they're doing, though, you'd realize what they're all saying is just bullshit, right? Like, totally. For example, uh, Canada, or some Canada exchanges actually just took off uh, XRP off their exchanges. Yeah. But, like, the Bank of Canada literally runs on XRP Ledger, so it's like... <laughs> We're just kind of copying what the U.S. is doing. Yeah, well, you know, so first of all, speaking about this topic, um, I think it's I think it's really hilarious that all the times throughout history, you know, the mainstream media tells tells the people to do the opposite. So when the mainstream media is telling you to, that, oh, this one's gonna be, this one's gonna win, and this one's gonna lose, it's usually the complete flip side opposite for example they were telling people to buy in the 2017 bull run the mainstream everyone was buying bitcoin at all-time highs at twenty thousand twenty four thousand dollars a token banks were like buy 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 they're telling people to buy xrp at like two dollars and 54 cents right before this big crash so everyone's fear of missing out buying at all-time highs and then this huge two-year bear market happens and sure enough, when Bitcoin and all these digital assets were at their lows for those two years, 
here's here's the the bank saying oh it's dead it's garbage oh yeah stay stay away it's nothing but uh terrorists use these networks like you know so here everyone missed their best buying opportunity because everyone's following the mainstream news and what's going on there and they missed the best entry points because the mainstream media is telling them the complete complete opposite of what they should be doing yeah exactly and like yeah it's not often the mainstream media is right with any of this finance stuff hey no yeah well look at i, and, I seen that thing of jim kramer somebody shared a thing of all jim kramer's uh um trades or whatever and they're all like negative 60 60 yeah. percent negative 50 percent like <laughs> and I, i'm sure uh did you pay any attention to the whole gamestop thing that happened back earlier this year in january oh a little bit i didn't really i didn't partake in it or anything but i remember no no I, I didn't either but it was just it was kind of ridiculous the amount of just like big name finance guys that came in supporting the whole gamestop thing and yeah. getting just retail wanting to hop in on this kind of like artificial pump right totally totally and then i remember seeing that like there's a couple billionaires that were saying oh it's it's really unfair that the the retail are all sticking together to uh to to oh to yeah that up. was on the news yeah, yeah yeah he's like they're all sticking together and and it's very unfair to us institu institutional investors that do this for a living and it's like are you kidding me you guys have been teaming you guys have been doing this shit for years yeah, you guys have been doing this shit for years and then paying these tiny little million dollar fees while you're raking in billions of dollars and you only pay the fees when you get caught like what the yeah. fuck the one time retail does it you guys are bitching and complaining like you're little boys and uh so i think it was hilarious i thought it was awesome that that short squeeze happened and it it uh wiped out uh billions of dollars of revenue for those guys and oh yeah that, that made me laugh I yeah i think i think one hedge fund actually folded yeah yeah exactly yeah i remember that i can't remember the name of them but yeah i thought that was hilarious. no i mean neither but yeah about time we see some stuff like that right oh totally totally and that's you know what it's only gonna grow right like it's only gonna grow because we got we just keep building networks and hopefully we can do what they're doing to us somehow <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's definitely dream, right were there any specific networks you might have wanted to touch up on a bit while we're on this uh let's see um so my favorite my favorite networks are Quant, XRP, XDC. Um, what else? Uh, I own a little bit of HBAR. Um, a little bit of VeChain. There's there's so many, man. But like I like ISO 20022 uh, tokens. Those are my favorite. That's fair. You can't go wrong with yeah. the ISO 202 coins, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like those are just... They're almost like programmed for success. <laughs> man like well when you see like and like iso 20022 is a messaging standard right like it's it's rich messages like when they send, yeah it's when a they messaging send, yeah when they when they send a bank wire they can barely fit in a couple sentences in the comments of the bank wire transaction but with iso 20022 they can they could put in invoices they can attach things to it they can attach images if they wanted to right like they, there's so much more stuff that they can add to to settle in these in these tokenized transactions 
That's what I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, my the projects I'm interested in are fairly similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you've actually gotten yeah. me diving a lot deeper into XTC lately. Oh, good, good. Yeah, man, it's <laughs> that's there's so it's much, it's a lot. Yeah, there's so much information and there's so little time. And uh, like I've spent hundreds of hours just creating creating the content. Well, one to help people in the community because my buddy didn't tell me in 2018 to research this shit well i would have never researched this shit and then i would have never been able to make hundreds of percents thousands of percent gains if it wasn't for that conversation or to have something ignite that fire in my head so that's that's why i started creating this content is because i want to help a hell of a lot of people see this stuff before the switch gets flipped before we see this huge bull utility bull market and i still think we you know um i think we will see one day a red storm of hell before we get to the sunshine and rainbows oh without a question especially yeah. just the amount of money we've printed the past two years yeah, right like yeah. there's gonna be consequences oh totally totally and uh but it's just the fact that you know we're accumulating things that are gonna be used in the future these financial systems and uh and like the one thing i love about crypto is they ain't printing anymore <laughs> yeah yeah definitely like perfect like... covid was the perfect thing to really show the government's true colors because one we haven't get we haven't got to see their spending well we've got to see how much they printed but we don't get to see where they spend it where it goes to we don't get to see the end-to-end -end tracking they give out all these billions of dollars in in bailouts and stuff like that but we us as citizens of the countries we don't get to to follow and see the receipts i know the bank of canada lost i think it was eight billion dollars for their industrial infrastructure spending that they said they spent but they can't prove where it went so it's like how does a government not know where they spent the money <laughs> you know <laughs> as a fellow canadian that doesn't surprise me yeah yeah like and like i heard in canada here the governments don't have uh there's different offices and they don't share ledgers so they don't know what this office spent on what this other office spent on there is no interbookings for their spending so that's how they lost the money is because oh uh i don't know where the money went i uh this office no maybe this office but then it's like this is so sick and twisted and like i think that's why all this printing is happening because you know we're going to see central bank digital currencies cbdc's and when we see cbdc's they're not going to be able to funnel this money like they have been so i think they've been printing 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 and they're going to funnel as much out of the system as they can before central bank digital currencies because as, as soon as central bank digital currencies come into play it's going to be a lot more transparent there is not going to be as much money getting lost in the system that's a really interesting thought that you put where they're printing all the money they can now to funnel into the new system yeah i've never thought of that but that that makes perfect sense well like like it when you have like you got if you could print as much money as you can and then hide it wherever you want <laughs> you know because they're giving it out to businesses they're giving it out to wherever and they don't have to keep receipt like they're not keeping receipts because we don't get to see their full audit so why the hell not i know trudeau was 
uh, he gets it from his dad on how he just spends, 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 and it's it's disgusting and it grosses me out. And I just can't wait to see a transparent financial system. That's what I want to see. So I hope CBDCs come into play and we get some sort of transparency because it's the way it is right now. It's broken and it's sick. Yeah, definitely. Um, and another, uh, well, here actually, there was DLT right here. So remittances, so this was talking about it's time to fix cross-border payments. So this is going back a little bit. So, well, why do we need to fix cross-border payments? We told them they're expensive, it's ridiculous. Um, chiefly because the compliance risk of customer due diligence, banks do not know their customers and the fear of being fined for breaches of anti-money laundering. So with the current system, with their KYC and the AML that the current legacy banks have to do, it costs them billions of dollars a year for compliance. Like it costs them to audit transactions for all this stuff. It costs them billions of dollars a year. And uh, let's see, it takes uh, remittances worth $707 billion passed through the system in 2019. So you got, if you think about $707 billion and US 529 billion to people in low to middle income countries at an average cost of 7% in transaction charges. So that's huge, like 7% is a huge fee. And I know cross-border payments have a 6% fail rate. So out of the uh, 6% of all transactions that go through the SWIFT network, they fail. And when they fail, that costs banks billions of dollars. So as we're talking about payments, this was from Identity Investor Presentation. So missing information is a $9 trillion prom problem for banks and corporates, $9 trillion. So that's, that's huge for just having like payment failures. Investigations. Yeah, that's three times the size of our markets today. Yeah, exactly. You know, look at US, $2 trillion laundered globally every year. So it's hilarious that you see all these elites and you see all these uh, people saying, oh, crypto is only used for money laundering. Are you kidding me? The US dollar is used for money laundering every, every day. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, there's more exactly. Money and in US you can find tons. Oh, yeah, go on. You can find tons of articles about HSBC just being notorious for money laundering, too. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, like that, that's what makes me sick is because just because you have a currency network, there's gonna be money laundering anywhere you go. But at least with crypto, you can track end to end, you know, when it goes to an exchange and it's going it's going on your off-ramp your on or off-ramp well there's id to all that so if it's going to yeah exactly ramps, at least it's trackable <laughs> like <laughs> yeah the whole non-traceable stuff they say about uh bitcoin and stuff it's just it's bullshit it just shows like they never did any research right like totally the point of this is that everything is traceable yeah no exactly well like look at the people that hacked the pipeline they got caught like <laughs> yeah so crazy yeah and uh look at this yeah us nine trillion dollars of liquidity is locked up on supplier balance sheets and uh yeah they're just talking about how much money they could they could save and it's just like 
it's crazy so when you get a flawless system like look at xrp xrp for example they've closed probably near i think 90 million transactions or something like that with no fail rate you get if you get a network like these networks like hbar and elgo that have no no failure rates and that they're reliable and they've got regulated entities i think they're going to succeed long run right because it's just institutional adoption when you got that institutional adoption it's going to take money from the swift system and that's what they don't want is because all the money that's in the swift system is through the federal reserve it's it's you know they're controlling how much you're making as a person you know they're limiting you but with crypto you know we're partaking in global liquidity pools and that's why we're we're making so much money is because you know back in the day before uh web 3.0 and these blockchain markets um these markets like this were only available to institutional investors right like you know if it was my grandpa he wouldn't be able to open up his computer and partake in global like in these huge global pools of money where you know you got millions of people participating right like the only per person that could do that is if you went to a bank and you're like hey i want to invest in something and they're like oh, okay well, we'll put you in this pool here we'll put you in this stock or this right like that's why this is so evolutionary is because we have access to global liquidity that used to be only accessible to institutional investors and then that's why we're making so much money now and the bank's only paying us a quarter percent because the banks are corrupt they're take, take, keeping all the profits and not even giving us any money for inflation uh to add on to what you were saying about how we've never had an opportunity like this to invest in a global market right yeah exactly but on top of just a global market it's this is an asset class that's that's started out out of nowhere that retail got a chance to invest in that's totally. just utterly unheard of and i don't think there's going to be another opportunity like this again no and i think i think it's the one time man like this is the one time every day is a new day and it's just uh <laughs> it's growing by the day time's ticking <laughs> yeah for sure and it's like it all just sounds so crazy all happening in the moment right totally well like to think about bitcoin actually gave us freedom it gave like like when it first started that was this that was the start of you know open finance where <sighs> it, it, it just not like, just even need, open finance you, though right you, but like you didn't need true ownership yeah, too you didn't need an intermediary you didn't have to be go to a bank tell the bank hey i want to send 50 dollars here no you can open up your phone or your computer and you can send 50 dollars yeah exactly and it's like back to the true ownership thing it's like the bank doesn't own your money anymore it's whoever owns if you own it in a wallet this is if whoever knows those 12 to 24 words of your wallet knows who the wallet is and no one else has custody of that besides whoever you show right yeah Because, yeah, like, Bitcoin came out of the 08 crisis, and yeah, that yeah. was largely due to everyone just not knowing who owned what. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a true start. It was a new beginning, and then everything's just being built, and it's, it's crazy, man. It's... love it. Now, you wanted to talk a bit about a super cycle, right? 
or something about that i think you read or that i read in the messages uh i was just talking about uh i was gonna say just like you know adoption cycle like you know we're in we're in exponential growth phase where the like you know look at the network effect right we've seen over the years the craziest network effect for block yeah definitely and it's i think it's only gonna get keep exponentially growing as more and more people uh figure out about it figure out how to use it how to take their assets in their own hands so they're not dealing with uh getting robbed at the bank because like there's so many people out there that holding their money in a high risk or a, a high percentage savings account that is getting a quarter percent half a percent and like they don't even understand what inflation is if inflation's at eight percent and you're getting a quarter percent you're losing seven seven and a half percent a year yeah exactly right? that's like that's a point i try getting across to just a lot of people i talk to totally well like look at if you have a hundred thousand dollars you know like people don't care if it's a thousand dollars seven and a half percent but if you yeah. think about it in the bigger picture a hundred thousand dollars seven and a half percent you're losing seven thousand five hundred dollars a year a year of purchasing power yeah right like that that's and that's just bad. for having a quote unquote safe place to store your money too right yeah, like yeah is it really all that safe no if you're losing on seven and a half percent yeah no and like and that, that's just like that's just the consumer price index that's what the numbers they want us to see that's yeah and that doesn't even count you know real estate costs that doesn't count wages that are going you know you got uh construction wages that are going up you got so much stuff that isn't in that consumer price index Oh, for sure. Going yeah. Through the fucking roof. <laughs> yeah. And one interesting fact is the the CPI index, apparently how we measure it now is yeah. much different from how we do it before. Yeah. I can't exactly remember how we did it before, but if yeah. we do it the old way, we're inflation's actually sitting closer at 14 to 16 percent. Oh, I, I bet. I bet. You couldn't make it any more obvious. Yeah. And like... <clears throat> Here, I did a visual for people that they can screenshot. <clears throat> but yeah, it's just like, you know, here's your money. Here's your $100,000 in the bank. They're paying you your quarter percent interest. You know, you're losing, if it's at 8%, then you're losing uh, right here, your $92,750. So you're losing seven and three quarter percent from inflation at national banks. Yeah, that's a good example just to show everyone, like, yeah. bank accounts aren't all that safe. No, no, yeah. Hey, if your money's not making 8%, you're losing money. <laughs> so make sure you exactly, tell yeah. because this is, I don't understand why mainstream media doesn't doesn't talk about what's actually going on. But it's funny, they blame, they blame COVID, they blame uh, the climate crisis, global warming, but they don't blame the unlimited printing that's going on from the government from the governments no don't blame that well, that's nothing to do with inflation right if i increase the money supply well who do you think gives them the news right <laughs> yeah well oh you want to see who gives them the news doo, 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 doo. back out here look at i did this diagram here okay so an event happens okay so this is where this is where it comes into my place here an event happens the government and the one percent you know they they shape what they want us mainstream media to see right so here we go so they put the news to the mainstream media. oh you're just cutting out a bit again oh, on okay, the audio that's, that's okay can you hear me 
Yeah, yeah, you're good now. Okay. So yeah, so they create the news that they want the public to see. So then the, the mainstream media then projects it into the television that we all watch, right? So what do they talk about? They talk about COVID-19. They talk about negative events and propaganda that pushes their theory. And so you get the average mainstream potato. That's all they watch. That's how they build their life is just by watching the news. Well, what do they get out of it? They get fear. They get hate. They get hate against the unvaxxed, they get un anxiety, they get no personal growth, right? Like when you're watching TV 24-7, what do we get benefit from it? We don't benefit fuck all. And this is what they cover up. I'll get into this. Yeah, first. that's a really good point. Right? So I notice what they cover up is, you know, I've only learned all my information from the freedom of the information on the internet. But they cover up central bank digital currencies. I've never heard in the mainstream media talk about CBDCs. They rarely talk about blockchain or DLT. They talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the hype shit tokens that nobody really cares about. Then there's the Maxwell sex trafficking case. You know what's funny is they would talk about Kyle Rittenhouse and all these broke people. They'll talk about them on CNN for weeks. But then as soon as there's this billionaire sex trafficking ring they don't they rarely even talk about it i think i see maybe one or two mentions on the news and it's like nothing they don't they don't talk about what's happening in the case they don't say who's involved like bill clinton was on the flight list to epstein's island for 26 times why isn't he tagged as a witness you know and then where's the ways of self-improvement? They don't talk about how to improve your life. They don't say, hey, take some vitamin E. Hey, take some vitamin D. Hey, do exercise because you're in a pandemic, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. right? Like, it's just like, I, I think of that and it's just like, holy, this is corrupt. This is so corrupt because, you know, yeah. majority of people, they look at the news and the news puts you in this trap, right? It just keeps you in this cycle yeah definitely man yeah and it's like the like the main sources of news come from the states right you'd agree oh totally yeah 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 right here this is it right here yeah and that's the one country where money talks the most and it's like if you want your news headline covered or just get it out out there well money will do it for you totally well and then look at this there's this uh anyone can search it if you just search the american empire and its media um it's called the swiss propaganda research but there's these three things billboard meetings council of foreign relations and the trilateral commission and then if you look they're all part of all these different networks you know you got cnn you got nbc you got fox and it's all controlled so they can these three companies control the narrative between all the networks right so this is this is how they're pushing their narrative is these three companies push this narrative to all these different networks your wi-fi good yeah can you hear me was it cutting out bro hello yeah it seems like every time i ask you again you stop cutting out though oh my god yeah shit. sorry god darn internet but yeah that's that's what I <laughs> it's think all is good crazy. it's just like no worries yeah i'm getting connection unstable yeah, so I just thought I'd share that because that I just created those just for to try and open up some people's eyes because like I don't I quit watching TV two years ago like I don't watch uh, I watch you know Netflix with uh, fiance but that's about it 
and uh I yeah that's fair did you make this chart all yourself not this not this one i found this one but i made the one below i made this here okay okay holy smokes yeah we're an hour in so i think we should probably uh, yeah anything else you want to cover up quickly or uh i don't think i think we had a good uh just back and forth i don't i don't know should we just close her up uh yeah i'll share one quick fact quickly yeah, if any if yeah but um so uh cryptos this is all from uh my inspiration rao pal great yeah. global investor but oh, yeah, yeah. you heard of him yeah I have. yeah yeah i follow him yeah big fan of him but um so he says the uh crypto's at about 150 million uh global users today yeah so when the internet was at about the same number 150 million uh it was in about 97 yeah and the internet was growing at about 63 percent a year okay. can you take a guess at how fast crypto is growing year over year at the moment oh <laughs> it's it's exponential i know that it's it's probably just i bet you it matches up to the to the growth of the internet matches up so you think about 63 percent? yeah i'd say so what do you think? What 113 percent. Woo! Damn, that's hot. So I this like thing's it. growing at twice the speed of the internet, and it's it's just crazy. Totally, and well, like that's that's you know we got to really take a step back and just appreciate that how fast that it's going to continue growing because you know with all this distrust in the government and everything going on, I think a lot of people are going to open their eyes to uh, learning new things. Well, they should be because. Uh, digitalization is the future yeah for sure i hope so and it's just like everyone's so used to the current system they don't see what's wrong right no no exactly well like yeah but once like, when you're born once you into, zoom out you're yeah once you're born into a system it's hard to look any other way than what you're used to growing up and seeing right so that's it's a it's a bit of a mindset change you have to to do to sort of accept what is coming and what is happening yeah definitely yeah. but yeah just I, like personally i'm really excited to just watch the growth over the next three to five years and just even the next decade oh totally 100 percent. me too man and guess what we're gonna be here making content continue making content to, to help people and this is just a start right like we're just getting our foot in the door to, to help educate others other than uh just teaching ourselves yeah for sure it's like every piece of content i make i'm still learning new stuff myself too totally totally and then you know what when you create content you're you're even teaching yourself because you're thinking of ways to teach other people and when you're doing oh that, no doubt yeah it's, it's just a it's part of the learning process and i think it's awesome yeah i don't think you can truly call yourself a master at something until you can explain what something is to like a five-year-old yeah exactly Alrighty, well, uh, citizen of the future, I think uh, we're going to close the book, close the chapter for tonight, and I hope everyone... Yeah, awesome chatting with you. Good information out of here, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Alright, so yeah, uh, it's Tokenizer, and it was awesome having citizens on, on the podcast today. Hell this yeah. probably won't be the last time we hear from him, but as for now, that's all we've got for you guys today. Boom, cheers guys. Keep researching, keep learning. Don't ever give up.